Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to church. Hey, can we just take a moment and give Jesus all the praise in this place? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Come on. Let's give it up for Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. Hey, I just want to take a moment um, and tell you, my name is Caleb. If we haven't had the chance, and if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you. But my name's Caleb. I get to serve as ministry pastor here at City Hope. And I just want to say welcome to all of you. And also just a special welcome to all of our online family. Hey, you guys are watching, watching us online, but you are part of the family and we just welcome you. And come on, can we welcome every person who's with us online this morning? So I'm speaking in today for Pastor Ben because he's getting to do something really, really amazing, and we're so happy that he's getting to do this. Really, a bucket list item for him. He's actually on a plane right now headed to the country of Israel, Israel. So he's getting to go on a really amazing, he's got an amazing opportunity that he's getting to go, and so I'm standing in for him today. So please just pray for him today for just safe travels and, and a safe time while he's there. Also, let's just be praying for Annalise and the boys, because you know it can be different when dad's gone. So let's just cover them in prayer as they're gone. We, I'm so grateful for Pastor Ben and his family and just how well they lead this church. Aren't you guys grateful for the Murrays and just their leadership? They're such amazing people. We honor and love the Murray family and Pastor Ben, um, but I just want you to know, like, God's just been doing amazing things here at City Hope, and the church has really been growing, and I say that because we're gearing up for our summer small group semester, and we believe that life changes life change happens in circles, not rows, so in groups, and so we are needing more groups um, as we're growing than we've ever needed before, because we got more people who are needing to get plugged into community, and so I would just say, if you've been attending groups for a while, maybe, um, maybe if you feel a little nudge to lead a group, maybe that's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, it's time to take a next step, and it's time to lead a group, and so we've got our small group registration available um, for all of our leaders right now. So if you're interested in leading a group, you can go to the Church Center app and you can register to lead a group underneath the sign-ups tab. And we have a team of small group coaches who will be walking through the semester with you. They'll be leading you and, and helping you on your first time leading. So we're not just going to throw you in the fire and leave you out there on your own. Uh, we got a team of people ready to, to help you take that next step. So I would encourage you to do that. And also, I just want to take a moment today, and I just wanted to give a, a big shout out to a very special group of people, and that is the City Hope Dream Team. Come on, can we give it up for our Dream Team? We love the Dream Team. Hey, you, Dream Team, are, you, you're the ones who make this all possible weekend and week out. And if you don't know what our Dream Team is, it's our team of volunteers who are members of the church who they serve in their gifts and passions every single week. And so they may not be sitting in this service right now. Some of them may be, but a lot of them's out there serving right now. Like they're in the parking lot getting people in and they're greeting at the doors and they're making the coffee for us. They're, they're making sure bathrooms stay stocked up and they're holding your babies and changing diapers right now. They're running cameras. They're doing all this. They, some of them just let us in worship. And so we love, love, love our dream team. And I just want to give a special shout out. Show some love to the Dream Team today. Come on, somebody. Um, if you're interested in being a part of our Dream Team, you can do that in the growth track uh, when we start step one over again next month. So we would love for you to be come on board and be a part of our amazing Dream Team. But we are going into today the fourth installment of our study on the book of Galatians. And it's been such a great study on the book of Galatians. And just to kind of recap what we've been talking about is that Galatians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Galatia. And so Paul was a church planter. This is the way he primarily evangelized was he would go from place to place and he would plant new churches to reach the people of 
of that community. And so what Paul would do to sustain these churches is he would write letters back to the churches or back to the pastor, and he would give them encouragement. Sometimes he would give them correction. And so specifically in the book of Galatians, one of the things we've been talking about is how Paul, Paul, a big thing that he's addressing is the relationship between us and between God. But what happened was after Paul left Galatia, there was a group of Judaizers that came in after him. And what they did was they started preaching a different message, a different gospel than Paul. And they were preaching that it was Jesus plus something else equals salvation. Um, what they were trying to get them to do was like, hey, Jesus ain't, is not enough. Like, you got to be circumcised as well. So, like, you need to have this surgery done to, to take care of that. And then you can be saved, okay? And so Paul basically, he's just getting us back on track and saying, no, it's not Jesus plus anything. Like, it's Jesus. The grace of Jesus through your faith uh, is the finished work of salvation. Amen. Come on. That's good news for us, somebody. And so in week one, what we talked about was we talked about religion versus relationship and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Uh, And we covered those two different approaches to God. Week two, we talked about living the crucified life. Last week, Pastor Ben did an amazing job uh, bringing us a message on the grace of God, one of the most amazing messages I've heard on grace. And then today in week four, we're going to be primarily talking about um, living in relationship with God. And I think us learning to live in relationship with God is one of the most important things that we can do as believers. Uh, in, in fact, this may be one of, the most, uh, one of the most important lessons in this series is living in relationship with God because what we're going to see in a minute is that we've, we've got to, uh, as believers and as Christians, we've got to transfer from, from living as slaves to living as sons because we're part of the family of God when we're saved. Like we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. We are the children of God. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I just want you to know that God has always wanted a relationship with you. Like he's never wanted you to just do religion and do religious duties and practices. God wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. Like God wants this intimate relationship with you. And so today the primary focus from Galatians that we're going to be covering is the difference between slaves versus sons. But we're going to start out looking at Galatians chapter 3, and then we'll get into chapter 4 for our focus of the day. But start in Galatians chapter 3, towards the end of the chapter, he says, you are all sons of God. Now, ladies, I'm sorry, but Paul says, you're all sons of God, okay? So don't be offended, ladies, that Paul calls you a son. In another passage, he calls the men, he says that we are the brides of Christ, okay? So the guys are the bride of Christ and the ladies, you're the son as well. But so you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And so this term son, it's not really talking about the male or the female per se. It's really just focusing on the relationship between us and the Father, that we're children of God. And so as we jump over to chapter 4, it says, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes and he says, but when the set time had fully come, and what he means by the set time, when the time had come that God had decided, hey, it's time to make a way for humanity to have a relationship with me, what he did was he sent his son, Jesus, we know that it was Jesus, everybody, born of a woman, and he was born under the law. Jesus was born under the same law as all the other people so that he could relate to our experiences, so that he could have the same experience as us all to redeem those under the law. So Jesus was sent to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So Jesus was sent, what he's saying is so that we could all be, 
we could become children of God, that we could be adopted into sonship, and that we could become the children of God. And then he goes on in verse 6 and says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Now, I want to stop there because we believe that upon salvation, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of his son comes and dwells in us. He comes and lives in our hearts. Like that's not just a belief or like a theological thing. We believe that's something that actually happens. Like we believe that actually happens and that can happen to you. And and if that has not happened to you, my hope would be that you could experience that today. That you could experience God in such a way that you could invite him to come live inside of you. Um, Because when he does, this spirit calls out, Abba, Father. And so what we see happening here is like once the spirit comes and lives inside of you, once the spirit of God comes and dwells in you, it changes things. It changes the relationship and how you relate to God. Because now you're not relating to him just in some like religious way, but now you call him Father, which by the way, Abba Father, is a relational term. It's not this religious term that I'm thinking of him or calling him, but now it's a relational term that we use to call God, and you may not think that's a big deal. Like, there's not a whole lot of amens to that. That may not seem like a big deal to you, because chances are, if you grew up in the church or if you know anything about the church, you've heard the term, like, hey, we're children of God, right? Anybody heard that? Y'all heard that before? Like, we're part of the family of God. So, not shocking to us, but a huge deal to the church of Galatia. Like, it was a big deal that Paul is telling this to the church of Galatia. Like, this is a countercultural thought for them. Because what they knew of God was the God of the Old Testament. Like, you don't mess around with that God. Like, he's this big powerful being who's far off and not one-on-one relational with us and like you don't mess around with him cuz like you touch that ark of the covenant you a grease spot you know what i'm saying like you don't mess with that and so what paul is saying is no it's different that that is different now like that's not who god is he's trying to let us know that he is a father this is totally a different god than who you're thinking of like, like, he's different than what you think he is. And so he goes on in verse 7 and says, So you're no longer a slave. And this is going to be our primary focus for a little bit here. You're no longer a slave, but you are God's child. Come on, are you thankful that you're God's child? Anybody thankful for that in the house today? You are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So he, he, brings, he, he contrasts between a slave and between a child. He makes this contrast here. And he lets us know that since you are his child, like you're not just a slave, but you're also an heir. means like you're a part of the family of God. Like like we are heirs of God. And and I just think that's so powerful. And so we've got to know the difference, though, between a slave and between a son because it really affects the way that we relate to God. So what we're going to do for a few moments is in your worship guides today, we provided notes for you. If You can follow them on the screen if you want to fill in the blanks. But we're going to talk about the difference between living as a slave and living as a son. And the first contrast is that the slave has a master. Now, when you think of the master, you think of somebody who's, who's always demanding, always yelling and always asking you to do something and forcing you to do something. And and when you come to talk to the master, like you fall down on your face because you're afraid. Y'all know what I'm saying? And some people relate to God that way. Like personally, I grew up that way. 
Like, I was afraid of God. I was afraid that he was going to send me to hell. Like, I, I grew up that way. Maybe some of you as well. And, and so the slave has a master. Like, when I was studying this, uh, a modern-day experience that I discovered was there's a church in Mexico. And actually, this church, um, as the people go into the church, that as they're walking to the church on the road, they actually are walking on their knees, and you can imagine that after a while, like walking on a road on your knees, like it's going to do some damage, right? And so they, it wears the skin off. They begin bleeding, scabs, sores. But if you went to visit this church, what you would see is that there's a blood trail leading into the church. Now, I'm just saying, if I was a first-time guest at that church, I'm not going back, okay? Like, I, I don't think that I want to attend that church. And if, if, please, if you're a guest today and you see some blood out there, let me know. We'll get it cleaned up, okay? I promise you we'll get that taken care of. But these people, like, they think of it as some sort of reverence or some kind of honor unto God that there's this blood trail leading into the church from, from them. Like, they're, they're, like, sacrificing or something. And, and they think it's some kind of reverence or honor unto God. And I just want you to know that, like, that's not the spirit that God wants you to have. That's the spirit of a slave. Instead, God wants us to have the spirit of a son. The spirit of a son doesn't have a master. He has a father. The spirit of the son has a father. And when I think of the father, like, it makes me think about the dad, you know, like that goofy dad. And he's got the long tube socks, and he's got those squeaky clean white New Balances. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And he's had them 10 years, but they still look brand new. Like, I'm thinking about the dad who's wrestling his kids and messing around and goofing off and picking them up and he's DDTing them onto the bed and you got the dad over there doing TikTok dances with his daughter and trying to be goofy and messing around. Like that's what I think of when I think of the dad. It's like this goofy, fun to be around, fun loving person. And that's what God is. Like he, he's not a master. He's, he's a father. He's a father to us. And you know, a lot of times Hollywood paints Jesus to be like this malnour- malnourished man like Always sitting, ooh, always sitting on a mountain. I bumped my mic. He's always sitting on a. That was bad. He's always sitting on a. He's always sitting on this mountain, and he's just like the thinking man, you know. But what the Bible actually tells us about Jesus is that there was a point in Scripture where the disciples were trying to get the kids to leave Jesus alone. Like he was like a kid magnet, and, and that just makes me think like. You know what kind of person you have to be to be like that, that the kids want to be around you? Like, I bet Jesus had candy in the pockets of his robes, and he's, he's passing out candy, and he's playing Red Rover, and he's goofing off with the kids, like, because he's a father, and that's what he wants to be to us. He wants this relational dynamic, and, and it's important that we understand the difference. We, we see the same idea in Romans chapter 8, and it says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. But rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So our redemption doesn't make us slaves. It makes us sons. It makes us children of God, and we call Abba, Father. And this phrase may not mean very much to you, but what the word Abba means is an Aramaic term, and the literal translation to it, it would would be something like what a kid would call their dad, like daddy. That's the literal term. It's like... This endearing term to call your father is the exact translation of what that means. And so I would say that a lot of times what we see is that people call you a certain name based on the relationship that they have with you. 
if that makes sense. Do y'all get what I'm saying? So like if, if you work at a job, the people that work for you, if you're a boss, they might call you Mr. or Miss or Mrs. or they might call you Dr., whatever your name is. There's some kind of title in front of your name because that's the relationship they have to you. But then if you have kids, they're going to call you something like mom or dad or daddy because or, that's the relationship they have with you, right? But then, but then if you have grandkids, well, they call you whatever the first grandchild decided to call you, right? And it's usually some repeating syllable like Momo or Papa or, or, or Mamie or whatever, whatever it is. But it's the relationship. They call you a certain name, and you can always determine the relationship based off what they call you. And so that's why it's so important the way that we see God is that we should see him as a father because we're children. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 and in verse 16, it says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Come on, y'all. We are God's children, and we have to be able to determine the difference in the way that we think of him, and we have to see him as a father rather than a master. Here's the second one, is that the slave is an employee, okay? So like if you're living as a slave to God, you have more of an employee attitude or mindset. And what I mean by this is, has anyone ever been to a restaurant and it was obvious based on the way the person serving you like, based on the way they were treating you, it was obvious that they did not care about the success of the business. Like, they did not care, okay? And, and, because, and the way that you know they didn't care is because the way they treated you made you feel like either you ain't getting a good tip or I ain't ever coming back here. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I had this experience the other day. I was at a restaurant, and they were super crowded and busy, so I get it, the stress and everything. But I had ordered some chips and some queso. And I didn't get my chips and queso. And so I said, uh, excuse me, ma'am. Uh, like, when you get a moment, I'd, I'd like those chips and that, that queso, right? Like, I paid for it, so I, I'd like it, you know? And, and she gave me this death stare. Like, I, she, if looks could kill, that's how she looked at me. And it was like, how dare you ask for that? And I'm like, I paid for it. Come on, you know? Like, and she gave me this look, and then she starts scooping the chips. Like, I ain't never seen somebody scoop chips so angrily. And she didn't even fold them up and hand them to me and say, have a nice day. She left the bag open and she slung them and slid them at me across the counter. And I literally just like laughed. Like I didn't mean to, but I just like kind of, I kind of laughed. My dad was with me. He gave me a look like, why are you laughing like that? And I was, I didn't mean to, like I just laughed. And, and when I laughed, she gave me this look like, why are you laughing at me? And so I took my chips and I left and hey, if, if you're here today and that was you, I promise I wasn't mad. Like it was the perfect experience for me to make this point. So thank you, right? But I knew she wasn't an owner because if she was an owner, she would have treated me like a Chick-fil-A employee does, right? Because she cared, she would have cared about the success of the business. She had something riding on it. But too many times, that's how we relate to God is like we're employees, like, I work for God. Like, I'd rather be anywhere else except here, but I got to do it because I'm a Christian. And that's what I got to do to be a good Christian is I got to work for God, right? But can I tell you, like, I don't have to work for God. I, I get to work with God, right? Like, in fact, not only am I an, an employee, but as the son, we're an heir. 
which means I'm an owner with God. Like, I'm not just an employee, but I'm an owner of everything God has with him, like alongside him. We, we work together in this family business, and we kind of talk about this in step one of the growth track if you've never been through it. When we get to the point of membership and we say, hey, like, if you want to make this church your home and, and, and like, you, you want to call City Hope home, you want to become a member, you decide to sign that, that membership covenant, that dotted line, what, what Pastor Ben tells you in that video is he says, like, we, don't, we, don't, we want you to take on the mindset of an owner of this church. We want you to have owner's eyes. We, we want you to not be like, oh, yeah, I go over to that church, but, like, that's my church, right? Because it's more personal, because that's my church. And when it becomes, like, it's my church, you'll care a whole lot more, and you'll want to care a whole lot more because it's yours, because you're a part of the family. Like, you'll see the chairs, and you'll be like, oh, th- those are our chairs. We got to make sure those chairs are straight. Like, when you're walking in, you see trash, you'll be like, oh, we got to, like, if somebody was coming to your house, like, you would make sure it looked good. So you'd be like, oh, we got, we got people coming to church. Let's get that trash up because we got to keep our, our, our church clean. Like, it's ours. And that's the difference is that a lot of us approach God like employees when really what God wants us to be is he wants us to be owners with him. Like, he, he wants us to be a part of the family business and the Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, this concept. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That means everything God has, he wants you to have it just like Jesus would have. It. That's what that means. And I'm not talking about like some kind of prosperity gospel, but I'm talking about like God wants you to have everything he has so that you can use it to be a blessing. Like, God blesses you so you can be a blessing. And I was thinking about this, like, who else would God rather bless other than his kids, right? Like, if you're a father and you're going to give an inheritance to somebody, who are you going to give it to? You're going to give it to your kids because you trust your kids because you raised your kids. And you know they're going to honor you with that. And so that's why God blesses his kids is because we're his children. And he trusts us to honor him with what he blesses us with. And so it's the difference between being an employee of and being an heir. Like the slave is an employee, but the son is an owner with God. And we have this different perspective when we change that. So normally I would give you the point and then I would give you the verse, but I want to give you the setup verse for the, for the next point. And it's found in Philippians chapter two. And it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor Caleb, I thought this whole series was all about how you don't have to work for your salvation and how you ain't supposed to work hard and it's grace alone. True, that's not what he's saying because you can't ever work hard enough to earn your salvation. What he's saying is work hard to show the results of your salvation. Not work hard to earn your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and Fear And by the way, this term fear is not like you're afraid of God, but it's a term of reverence and respect for God. And so what it's telling us is that we can't earn our salvation. We can't earn it, but we should work hard to show the results of it. And then in verse 13, it says, for God is working in you. Come on, somebody. Are you glad that God is working in you? But by the way, God can't work in you until you receive the free gift of salvation. Because we believe that upon salvation, the Spirit of God, of the Son, the Spirit of the Son we talked about earlier, that it enters in and lives inside of you. But if you haven't allowed the Spirit inside of you, God can't work in you. But, so, but when He does come in and He starts working in you, 
watch this, he gives you the desire and he gives you the power to do what pleases God. And I think this is so awesome to focus on. It's that God will give you the desire to please him. Like God never wanted Christianity to be this thing that you feel like you have to do. He wants it to be something that you want to do, like something that you get to be a part of. And that's why when we preach here at City Hope, you'll never hear us preaching at you like, if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen. Or you better do this or else you're going to burn. Like we're not going to preach at you like that because we don't want you to feel like you have to do anything. Like, we don't want you to feel pressured or forced to do anything. Instead, what we want to do is we want to lead you to a relationship with God. Because when you have a relationship with him, like, your desires will change. When he comes inside and the spirit of the son comes to live in you, your desires will change. And not only will your desires change, but you'll have the power and you'll have the strength to do what pleases God. And I don't know about you, but I just think that's a much better way. Like, I think that's a much better way than me feeling like, oh, I got to do X, Y, and Z because that pastor told me I had to do this or else I'm going to burn. Like, I just think this is a much better way that, like, I'm doing the things that I'm doing because I want to do it and because God's given me the strength and the power to do it, not because I feel forced to do it. And so what that really sets up for us is the third one, that the slave is driven by duty. And this is where I do it because I feel like I have to do it. Like, it's like... I got to do this, right? Like, I really don't want to, but I got to. It's like when you're praying and you've prayed for everything you can think of, including your dog and your cat, and then, but you're watching the clock and you're like, still got 15 minutes, I got to pray. Like, I still got to pray for 15 minutes. All right. Like, and you're not enjoying it at all. Like, that, that's what that's talking about. It's like you feel like you have to. Or when we come around and it's like, hey, guys, it's time for First Saturday Serve. Let's go make a difference. All the people who have the spirit of the sun, they're like, yes, it's time to go make a difference. It's time to go help somebody in need. I can't wait to do it. It felt like it took forever to get here. But then all the people who have the spirit of the slave, they're like, are you kidding me? Do they not know that I got a job? Like, I've worked all week, and this is my only off day. It's the only day I get to sleep in, and they want me to go help a widow? Like, come on. I know she's 96 years old, and I know she don't have anybody else to help her, but I wanted to sleep in today, right? This is my only day to sleep. And they feel like that. It's the spirit of that I have to do it. Like, I feel like I got to do it. But all the people who are sons, it's like I get to do it because where the slave is driven by duty, the son is driven by devotion. It's like I get to go do this. Like, it's a joy that I get to go make a difference. Like, I want to go help that 96-year-old widow. I want to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like, I get to be a part of this. Like, thank you, God, for choosing me. It's the difference. And you got you to gotta be able to tell the difference between how you relate to God, whether you're relating as a slave or whether you relate as a son. So how do we do it? How do we make this transition if we've been living like a slave to live like a son? Ultimately, what we have to do is we have to learn to live in relationship with God. And Galatians chapter 4, we're going to go back to Galatians chapter 4. It says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. So what it says is before, like when you were the employee version, when you did not know God, that's when you were slaves. And so the picture that Paul's painting here is the difference is between the slave and the son is knowing God. Look, he goes on in verse 9, he says, but now that you know God, see that again, 
or rather you're known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And so what Paul is showing us that the, the, the difference is knowing God. The difference is the relationship component. And this is ultimately where Paul corrects the church of Galatia and where I believe he corrects us as well and, and where he teaches us how we should relate to God. And so for the next few minutes, like, I just want to talk to you about how to know God. And what I mean by know God is like a lot of us know about God, like we've heard about him, but how to know God in an intimate, in a relationship. Like how you can have an intimate, life-giving, vibrant relationship with Jesus. How you can know him and be known by him. And this may seem really simple, but the first thing you got to do is see God as a father. This is in your notes if you want to write that down. you got to see God as a father. I just want to tell you that your view of God, this is so important because your view of God determines your relationship with God. It makes all the difference. Your view of God determines your relationship with him. So like, don't answer this, but think about it. If I were to say like, what is, what is God like to you? What is he like to you? What would your answer be? We have to see him as a father. Jesus tries to tell us what the father was like in Matthew 7. He says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Like some of you are parents. Think of that. Like your kid's hungry and they're like, I want some bread. You're going to give him a rock, be like, eat that? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. No, nobody will do that. And then he goes on and says, if you then, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Even though, like, we can give good gifts to our children, how much more can the Father give good gifts to us. And what Jesus is doing here is he's changing people's mindset about who God is. He's changing the way they view God. Like he's revolutionizing the way they see God. And he's letting them know that God's not like this big faceless cosmic killjoy who's far off in heaven seated upon the throne with a big gavel in his hand waiting for you to mess up so he can just strike you down. Like that's not who he is. No, Jesus is telling us he's a father He's a father that wants to give you good gifts. He wants to give you good gifts. And I know there's a lot of people who didn't get to have a good earthly father. Maybe some of you even here today. And I just want to say I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. But at the same time, like, we can't allow our relationship with a people on earth to determine our relationship with our God who's in heaven. Like, I think the devil wants to try to distort the way you see God through the experience of your earthly father. There was a pastor that I heard about recently, and he was kind of discipling this young man. And he had asked the young man to lead, lead this room in prayer. And so as the young man was praying, he noticed that he always used, like, King James-like language, and it was real formal. And he, he would always use the word, like, master to God, like, master. And a lot of people use that word referring to God, and that's not a bad thing. It just shouldn't be the only term that we use. Like, we should also use endearing terms, right? But so as he was praying, like, he, he was talking to God like this. And when he got done, the pastor said, hey, have you ever thought about, like, just calling God, like, dad or father? Like, using those terms to call him? And the boy said, no, I, I, I could never do that. I'd never be able to call God dad or father. And he began crying. And, and he said, well, why? And he began explaining the relationship to his earthly father and how terrible it was. 
And he said, well, I understand that, but you know, you can't put God in the same category as that. You can't allow, and I think we do this a lot. Too many people often, we, we do, we allow the way people on earth treat us, the people of earth, to affect our relationship with God who's in heaven. And we just got to be able to tell the difference. We, we got to be able to differentiate between the two because God, he is a good father. So the first thing we got to do is see God as a father. Second, we've got to approach God through relationship, not through rules. Now, I'm still, lear- still kind of new to being married. So like, I don't know if there's any other guys in the house who could relate with me on this. But one thing that I learned really quick in being married to Danielle is that she likes the dishwasher to be loaded in a very specific, very strategic manner, okay? Like, it needs to be good, okay? Like, she wants me to pre-scrub. I don't, any pre-scrubbers in the house? Like, she wants me to pre-scrub. Sometimes I even have to pre-scrub with Dawn dishwasher soap. And I, at that point, I was like, why even put it in the dishwasher now? Like, but not only does she want me to pre-scrub, like, she also wants me to separate the silverware in the, in the little thing in there and but like not like forks and spoons like she wants big forks little forks big spoons little spoons butter knobs sharp knobs like it's very specific y'all it's how she wants it for me I'll be honest with you I could care less I come from a no scrub family like we just threw it in there gunked up I promise your modern day dishwasher can get it clean it can do it and it'll save you on your power your water bill It'll save you on your water bill, and it'll save you time, okay? Like, I'm just telling you. So, like, I really don't care. I'll throw it in there like that. I'll just cram as much as I can get in there, like, I'm just to get it done. You know what I'm saying? But Danielle likes it a very specific, very strategic way. Now, she hasn't set some kind of rule in the house that says, like, if you don't load the dishwasher the way I say it, I'm out. Like, I'm done. I'm she hasn't done that. But because I love her and because we have a relationship I'm pre-scrubbing, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Because I love her and because we have a relationship, I'm separating those utensils the way that she wants it because I know it makes her happy. I'm not doing it out of a place of like, you better do this. I'm just doing it because I like making her happy. And like, it's the relationship that we have, right? So I, I, I can take some extra time and waste a few extra dollars on water to pre-scrub, you know? Like, I can get it done. The point I'm making is that like, In the same way, like, it's the same with God, is that God wants us to do the things that we're doing for Him, not because we have to, but because we love Him and because we have a relationship with Him and we want Him to be happy. Like, Jesus tells us this in John chapter 5. He said, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. And he says, but these are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What Jesus is saying is like, you're trying to check the box of reading the Bible at the verse of the day or, you know, get the check on the version app, but you missed the whole point. The point wasn't for you to get the check mark. The point was that you would read about me and you'd find me in the scriptures is what Jesus is saying, that you'd learn about me. The point wasn't for you to pray for an hour. The point was that you'd meet with me, that like we could spend some time together. Like, what if I went on a date with my wife and the whole time I'm like, all right, you got an hour and go. I would get slapped, y'all. Like, you know what I'm saying? But too many times, that's what we do with Jesus. I'll give you an hour, Jesus. That's what you can get. And he's like, it ain't about the time. It's just about that we, we met together. Like, you went to serve on Saturday, but like, 
It's not about being able to say like, oh, I went to Saturday serve. It's about that you served with me. It's about that you were my hands and my feet to the world, that you made a difference in my name. And what he's saying is that it's not this thing of rules. He's saying you're missing the relationship piece. You're missing the relationship side. And I think this is one of the most important things that we can realize is the relationship that God wants with us. One of the most important things we can do is see him right, approach him the right way, and then third, to know God, is I have to give God my whole heart. I have to give God my whole heart. And I would just say that falling in love with God doesn't work unless you give him everything. It just don't work unless you go all in. That's the phrase we like to use, is go all in. Like, some people only go like 90% in to Christianity, and they can't figure out why it's like not any fun, it's because you're not going all in. It's because you're not giving God your whole heart. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, said, you'll seek me and find me when? When you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So what he's telling us is like, you'll find me only when you seek me with all your heart. Some of us are seeking for God. We're searching for Him. And we get frustrated when we come up short and we feel like we don't find Him. Respectfully, I would just say, the reason you're not finding Him is because you're not going all in. Because you're not giving Him your whole heart. That's the only way this Christian stuff works, is if you go all in. And when you do, God says, I will be found by you. He can be found. He's not far off. He wants to be the one-on-one, intentional, relation, relational God to you. And you will find that when you give him all your heart. You know, last week was Mother's Week, uh, Mother's Day, and that had me thinking about moms. You know, have you ever noticed how a lot of times it's the dad that teaches the kid how to throw the ball, but then when the kid goes pro for throwing the ball, the kid gets on TV and what do they say? Hi, Mom, right? Like, what's up with that? Come on, give Dad some credit. You know what I mean? But I think what that is is like, I think moms have this gift that they're able to, like, get in the heart. You know what I'm saying? They're able to get in their kids' hearts. And dads, I think you're pretty awesome, but I just think moms have that gift. Like, I do. And here's how I know. I'll prove it to you. Because if somebody wants to get under your skin and if they want to insult you, All they got to do is say, yo, mama. And you're like, let's go. Let's go. Right? And because your mom is in your heart, you'll do things for your mama that you wouldn't normally do for anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like me, I'm a very nice guy. I get along with pretty much everybody. I'm a pastor, good guy and everything. But you start messing with my mama, and I will mess you up. You know what I'm saying? I will go gangsta on you if you try to mess with my mama. Like, you don't mess with my mama. That's my mama. You know what I'm saying? because she's in my heart. And it's the same thing with God. You'll begin doing things for God that you would have never done when he gets in your heart, when the spirit of the son gets into your heart. And the only way he can get in there is for you to give him your whole heart. It's for you to go all in, not 90%, not 98%, 100%. When you go all in, he'll get in your heart and you'll realize, hey, I'm enjoying prayer. I ain't even watching the clock. I'm enjoying reading the word and learning about Jesus. And it's different than it's ever been before. Like, I don't feel like I have to do it. 
Like if I miss a day, I, I miss a day, but I'm, I love learning about Jesus. Like I get to go serve. I love being the hands and feet of Jesus. It'll change everything. And so just to wrap up this whole message, I would just say, and this is the last thing in your notes, is that the relationship changes everything. Relationship with God changes everything about the Christian experience. So if you would, just bow your head, close your eyes with me today. God, I just want to say thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord, that that you give us to challenge us and to put us back on the right path and the right track. Lord, and I just ask right now that you would speak to every person today, to every heart, that your Holy Spirit would show them what they need to hear today. And I would just ask you this morning to just think and listen. And I would just ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he encouraging you to do today? Maybe you've been living as a slave rather than a son. And it's time for you to step over, step into the rightful place, your rightful place as an heir of the kingdom of God, as a child of God. And for you to begin to relate to God, not as a slave, but as a child. You may be in church your whole life and you've been living like a slave. I was there. I grew up in church my whole life. But I lived like a slave for a long time, afraid of God. God doesn't want you living like that. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be living in a relationship with him. All the difference is knowing God. Not just knowing about God, but knowing him. Having a life-giving relationship with him. So if you're here today and you'd say, I want to be known by God, and I want to know God. Like, I want to step into my place as a child of God. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to begin this journey of going on a relationship with Jesus going into relationship with him. If that's you, I want to just ask you on the count of three to lift your hand. I want to embarrass you, but then I'll lead us all in a prayer. So if that's you and you want to, you want to know God, you want to be known by him, not religion, not rules, but relationship, not duty, but desire, something totally different than what you've ever experienced. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, begin a relationship with him. One, two, three. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Thank you. Hey, I see you. Thank you awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking on your heart right now, encouraging you to take that step. It doesn't matter how long you've, you've had the faith. I see you. Thank you. God's proud of you. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to lead us into a prayer together. I ask that we all pray this together. Say this, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. I'm going all in. I'm not holding anything back. I give you my whole heart. Would you come and fill me with your spirit? Give me the desire and the power to follow you, the power to change. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and filling me with your spirit. I love you, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus praise in the house today? Come on, give it up for Jesus. Lives being changed by the power of Jesus.
Hey, I want you to know if you made that decision, you gave your life to Christ today, that we as a church, we're so proud of you. But not only are we proud of you, God is so proud of you. At the beginning of the service, Gary mentioned to you that connection card. And on that card is a spot where you can tell us that you gave your life to Christ. I want to ask you to do me a favor. Could you do me a favor? If you made that decision today, will you please let me know by selecting that on the card, by selecting the box that says, I committed my life to Christ today, or I recommitted. Because we want to be able to celebrate what God's doing in your life, but also we want to be able to pray for you. And we want to be able to serve you as a church, because really what we're all on this journey, right? And it's a journey to a vibrant, life-giving relationship with Jesus. We're all on this journey together, and, and we want to be able to help you take next steps. Our team put together this resource called a Next Steps box inside our resources that'll help you know some things that you can begin doing immediately to, to nurture and foster that relationship that you just began with Jesus. But I want you to know we're so proud of you, and God is too. You can pick one of these boxes up in the lobby at our Next Steps table. Uh, so please pick one of those up as you go. Totally free of charge, our gift to you. Um, so we're about to move to the part of the service where we worship the Lord in our giving. And I just want to say that this is a moment of worship. This isn't something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. In fact, we never ask that you give anything. We don't want anyone to give out of pressure or compulsion. We want to give out of a place of gratitude for all that God has done for us. That, that's why we give is because he gave first. And so we don't want you to feel any pressure. In fact, if you're a guest today, we don't expect that you give anything. We like to say this service is just our gift to you, so no pressure on that. But we would love you to fill out that connection card and drop it in the container as it passes by. But I do want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. You're such a generous church. And it, it, it allows us as a church to be able to make a difference outside the walls literally around the world, literally in other countries all around the world, it's making a difference. People's lives are being changed. Churches are being planted. People are being fed. You're making a difference. Um, so our teams are going to get ready to serve you in a minute. I'm going to pray over our time. When I say amen, our prayer team will be up front during this last song. If you need prayer for anything at all, just make your way down to one of these team members. They'll be happy to pray with you, okay? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, we're so grateful that you gave first, Lord. So in response, we give you our lives. We give you our uh, everything that we have, Lord. We give right now out of a place of gratitude, out of a place of worship, Lord. And we pray that you would take it, that you would use it, and that you would help us to make a difference with it, Lord. We pray that your vision would be fulfilled. We worship you. We praise you. We say this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's stand together and worship one more time.